Hello and welcome to episode one. Episode one. How I finally exciting. made it. I'm, I know. I'm excited. Um, of Curiosity Killed the Rat. Yeah, we've been talking about making this for what, like six months now? And we finally. <laughs> Something like that. Finally got our shit together enough. And, you know, here we are. Episode one Curiosity Killed the Rat science podcast where we just sit here and we chat about some cool science things and hopefully you get to learn something from it too. Um, I'm Kate. I'm a neuroscientist and self-proclaimed know-it-all that loves spewing science garbage at anyone that'll listen. And I am Matt. I make sounds happen. (laughs) (laughs) I make sounds. I can do that too. I have vocal cords. Yeah, no, let's not go down that rabbit hole of just screaming into the microphone as fun as that would be. Yeah, no, I I mostly just make sounds happen. I try to make them sound good as much as possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, I love learning about science. I've always been interested in it. I thought about pursuing it academically, but I was like, nah, I'll get a career in the arts. Clever boy. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, career in science is no more stable than the arts. Mm. Trying to get grants and stuff for research. It's a whole thing. It's a thing. If you want a stable career, science is wrong. But (laughs) if you want an interesting, fun career that you want to learn stuff, that's when science is cool because I think science is cool. As do I. And that is is why we're here today. And we we hope you think science is cool as well. Otherwise, what are you doing? How much money did Matt pay you to listen to our podcast? I have no money to pay them with. Oh, my God. Because, you know, like I said, arts. Yeah. No. Okay, cool. Checks out. So (laughs) are you excited to find out, Matthew Dearest? Oh, yeah, because I don't know what the topic is. I mean, you guys will probably know what the topic is because it'll be the damn title of the episode, but... I'm coming into this completely cold. Yeah. So what we did is we, we narrowed it down to three topics for our opening episode. Matt picked a color, which was associated with one of the topics. And and so I've learned everything there is to know, hopefully, about this particular topic. And you're ready to find out? I'm more than ready. Pins and needles. Oh, yes. Uh, I wanted pins this one. Pins and needles. Yeah. So pins and needles, the worst, right? I mean, sometimes they're all right. I feel like there's two kinds of pins and needles. There's the one where your foot just feels like a really nice bean bag and it's honestly just kind of pleasant. <laughs> and then there's the one where it's actually like real spiky, you know, yeah. that's, you know, aggressive TV static living inside your foot. Well, I mean, as, as with, you know, most things, it's not just a binary of low, low pain, high pain. It's the, yeah, it's, there's a whole range of severity when it comes to pins and needles through from just a little, little cheeky prickle to like, you know, some crazy ass fire ants with freshly sharpened swords <laughs> stabbing aggressively at the underside of your foot. Oof. Uh, Mood. Yeah. But, you know, funnily enough, pins mm. and needles is not actually the medical name for that sensation. What? I know, right? In a, in a world but of convoluted... But so clinical. Yeah, a world of convoluted clinical terminology, pins and needles is not legit. No, it is in fact known as paresthesia. Paresthesia. Yeah, which comes from athesis, which is ancient Greek for irregular. I may have pronounced athesis pa- uh, incorrectly because I am neither ancient nor Greek, but... I disagree. You are old. <laughs> You I'm goddamn 25. boomer. Yeah, boomer. I'm a millennial. Leave boomer. me alone. Anyway. Let's be yeah, real. So millennials are boomers too. Okay. I, I digress. Go on. Go on. Stop. Go on. 
we're talking about paresthesia. Pins and needles. <laughs> we're talking about pins and needles. So, you know, like like we were saying before, right, It can it, that can range from anything from like a little mild bubble to a very painful, horrible thing. And it essentially is what occurs when your sensory nerve cells aren't getting the nutrients that they need. So every cell in the body, every you know, nerve cell or any cell, it, it, they need certain things to survive, just like you and I. They need oxygen, they need like glucose, some sort of energy source, sugar, and they get that via blood flow. Blood so flow. all of these, yeah, yeah, nutrients are like stored in the blood, right, and transported by the blood to all the different body parts. Right. Yeah, so when you when you cut off that blood flow or something, then then these cells are no longer getting that, nutrients but you know we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later mm. first i want to just like take a little sidebar and talk about neurons neurons nerves jimmy neurons crazy right the neuroscientist wants to talk about neurons <laughs> so neurons for those of you who aren't aware are just nerve cells that's yeah. that's hold on that's that's really pleasant i i quite like that voice that's, shall i just do the rest of the episode in this voice honestly yeah um, i really i don't no. Sorry. Honestly, I feel like I'm listening to Audible right now. Okay, I... so the quick rundown on neurons, in particular sensory neurons. There are a few different types. No, I'm not keeping this that's, up. That's I'm sorry. actually that's that's terrifying. That's that's classic narrator voice right yeah, there. Yeah. No, you know. sorry. Theater kid, can you tell? No. <laughs> <What>? Me? <laughs> Dramatic. How dare? Anyway. How dare you? <laughs> Is Greta too political? A little bit. I know he said we weren't going to be political, but surely a Greta meme. <laughs> Not a Greta meme. I love Greta. I, I mean, are Greta. you saying she that meme goddess. was a bit uh, regrettable? I think you should regret <laughs> that meme, definitely. Okay. Sensory nerves. Sensory neurons. Correct. It's what I was trying to tell you about before you turn into a complete twat. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. Right. So your sensory your sensory neurons are essentially they're the neurons or the nerve the nerve cells that transmit messages from the outside world mm-hmm. to your brain. Of course. So, you know, there's lots of different types. Some deal with touch, so you know, they tell whether you're stroking something smooth or whether you're running your hand up and down a cactus, right? Yeah. Um they'll tell you temperature, pain, you know, they're all different types of nerve cells, but they're they're the ones that go from the outside to the brain. So nothing important. Nothing, nothing important at all. And so they're in contrast to the other type. Well, another, the other major type of nerve cell, which is your motor, your motor neurons, which travel from the brain to the muscles. Right. Um, to tell your body to maybe take your hand away from that, you know, really, really hot, hot plate that you decided to check if it was warm yet by using your bare hands. Of course. Which How I else would, would you? Definitely never have done. I disagree. <clears throat> <laughs> Pretty much. There's a whole bunch of nerves in your peripheral, like, nervous system. And, you know, some of them are sensory, some of them are motor, some of them are both, um, which is really cool. But it's our sensory nerves that we're talking about in terms of the good old pins and needles sensation. So, like, as I mentioned before, pins and needles is caused by not getting enough nutrients to those nerve cells. So they normally get it from the blood. um, And so that's why when you cut off the blood supply you deprive them of nutrients. So that can be caused by something serious like a tumor. If you've got a tumor growing in you and it's kind of obstructing the blood vessel and not letting enough blood flow through, right, like that can cause. Because pins and needles do normally start from, you know, if you're sitting on your leg real funny and, you know, kind of restricting that exactly. blood flow. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, like, and that's what it is. And because you can, you can have a tumor or it could be something, you know, as simple as 
sitting cross-legged on a milk crate drinking a double espresso because you're a hipster wanker from Melbourne. <laughs> Good to know that both of those are equally likely when I feel that sensation. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, did I just sit funny or is this cancer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the giveaway will be, do the pins and needles go away or not? Right. So does that mean, is that what cancer feels like? I know we get, <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that too heavy for episode one? No, like, I just, it, I, I just can't, I'm just going to stop you right there and say, I don't know. I've never had cancer, thankfully. Right. Um, I don't know what cancer feels like. But presumably if you have a tumor and it's not a benign tumor, it's a cancerous tumor and the position of that tumor happens to be obstructing, you know, a major blood vessel to your foot, permanent pins and needles may very well be a symptom. Not the right. only symptom, but like, yeah. Because the tumour would grow big enough to kind of block off the blood yeah, vessels. exactly. And it's kind of like a permanent cross-leggedness. Exactly. But a little bit more deadly. So if you've had pins and needles continuously for, you know, like a couple of weeks, I would suggest going to see a doctor immediately. But yeah, no, you're right. Exactly. It's caused from sitting weirdly or like, you know, somehow obstructing the blood vessel. And that's, that's not when the pins and needles hits though. That's when you get that, like my leg has fallen asleep sort of feeling, you know, mm. when, you know, the feeling when, yeah. when it's, it's gone like numb and you don't really feel anything and it's gone to sleep. And generally when that happens, we'll either notice it and, mm-hmm. you know, move so that the blood can get back to our leg or we won't notice it consciously, but unconsciously some part of us will notice and we'll, we'll shift. Either way, it's when we shift our position after our limb has fallen asleep, bam, that's when the blood returns. Uh, and that, you know, so you'd think, right, oh, cool, return blood flow to our deprived appendage. Business as usual. It was not business as usual. <laughs> Scary over, over voice. Over voice? Voice over. There you go. <laughs> voice over narrative. So yeah, so essentially you've you've opened the floodgates. A whole lot of blood has rushed straight down to your your foot or your hand or whatever, and your sensory neurons, they they panic and they they overfire and they misfire and they send off these little spontaneous bursts. And, you know, we've got we've got thousands, 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 thousands of sensory mm. neurons. And so each little pinprick or whatever that you feel is is each one of those those cells going whoa, and sending off signals in your brain interprets that as pins and needles. So, yeah, how cool is so that, right? So pins and needles is just your body freaking the F out because it's got no idea what's going on because it, they've kind of just like... Your neurons like kind of pass out a little bit from lack of food and water and oxygen. Because you've just starved them of everything by cutting off the blood circulation. And Mm -hmm. then rather than waking them up gently, you've just thrown a fucking bucket of ice onto their heads. Yep. And And just shocked their system. They're like, oh, (laughs) oh, shit. Oh, shit. Mission abort. Mission abort. (laughs) My microphone did not like that noise. Don't do that again. Oh, boy. And so that's what causes pins and needles, which, like, I think is really cool because I've always I always had no idea. And I feel like as a neuroscientist, I should know roughly Mm. what our what our neurons are (laughs) doing. Yeah, so yeah, like it's it, such it normally... a crazy sensation as well. So like weird. it's very indescribable. Yeah. I suppose it's it's similar to no, like I thought um, my fire ant analogy was pretty yeah. relatable. But it's it's so different from anything you would normally feel around that area because it's like coming internally and you don't normally feel things inside mm, your foot, you know, you mm. feel them, you know. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like you've stood on pins and needles. Like you don't feel it on the sole of your foot or it's sole of your foot. It's just like mm. Professor Lockhart cast the wrong bone mending charm on your foot and yeah. instead of fixing it, you've just now got a floppy sack of 
Well, that's when it's beans. asleep, and then and then someone shot some crazy spell at it that's woken it right back up with an mm. electric jolt, and that's the pins and needles. Yeah, yeah, it's not fun, but it normally passes pretty quickly, right? Like it's normally you're only in pain for like a few moments. Um, if once again, I reiterate, if yeah. you have ongoing pins and needles, go to a doctor. Um, but there are. Would you like to know the the solution to the problem? Please. As in, there are ways that you can actually make it make it go away faster. Make it go away faster. Is it? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's pretty instinctual, the the solution. I think we all do it without even realising that we've known it as a solution. But, like, say, you know, pins and needles in your foot, we, you, you stamp your foot around, right, mm. or you hop up and down on one leg or you just generally act like a lunatic to anybody that's watching. Um, yeah. that act- act- that's not as ridiculous as it sounds. It actually does something. So by, like, stamping your foot or, really? like, yeah, so getting your, like, calf, like, hopping on your foot, getting your calf muscles, like, you know, squeezing and stuff it actually helps return the blood flow to a more regular rate a lot quicker Mm. and so as the blood flow returns to a regular rate your sensory nerves also adapt back to that sort of regular flow of nutrients and oxygen and stuff and the firing patterns return to normal faster the trade-off is that it actually tends to make the pain more intense initially ah so you'll yeah. do it it'll you'll it'll get worse for like a tiny bit but then it'll be over sooner so like i guess it's up to you do you do you like the rip the, the band-aid off son well yeah are you a rip the band-aid off hard pain get it done or are you a i'll deal with the mildly uncomfortable sensation for a little longer than i would normally have to mm. but at least it doesn't hurt too bad i don't know you see i'm normally the kind of person when it comes to band-aids i will not rip it off i will slowly peel that thing and you know draw that thing out as long as possible okay. not because i want to experience because you're pain. a wuss Correct. Yes. <laughs> I've never, I've never denied this. I'm a big old wuss. I you hate feeling tattoos. pain. Yeah. But I know that pain's going to be temporary. That's, and ripping off a bandaid is not temporary. Yeah, that, that shit lasts forever, man. That's oh. <laughs> That'll scar you for the life. difference is taking off a bandaid. Things. That's, that's self-inflicted. That's, I know exactly what's going to happen. A tattoo, someone else is doing that to me. I'm out of, I have no control over that. I have a solution to that for you. I'm scared. Actually, no, it's not a solution. It's like an anti-solution. Because I was going to say, why, do why do I want tattoos. that then? No. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> That's a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea. I'm Don't an awful artist and I'm scared of pain. That's n- Nobody wins. Well, yeah. Well, then I guess if you get pins and needles, just flip and deal with it. Mm, just yeah. sit there and deal. I usually do. Yeah, I usually do. Do you know, okay, look, this is this is a bit of a tangent. Go and you probably you may away. not have notes prepared on this. Um certainly won't, but I know some things. When we get like because like I've been thinking a lot about, you know, I've obviously said feet a lot for mm. this when it comes to pins and needles, because I find personally that's where I most commonly get them Same, happen. Same because I'm, getting, like, I'm a classic, you know, sit in a chair mm. with my legs up in the air, round sideways, crossed over in an Correct. obscure you know, as a walking, talking stereotype human. But what about foot cramps where you feel like the world is about to end? You know, where you feel like this is it. My foot stuck like this forever. This is the most severe pain I have ever felt. I'm going to die. There's no escaping. This movement is garbage. Oh my God. Oh, it's over. You know? Yeah, no, I, like, I, I, get the, I, I do you... know the fucking feeling well, my yeah. God, for when you're stretching and just like. And it's the kind of thing, cause you know, I don't, stretch or exercise i would recommend but, but i get it in an, um, changing that yeah you know i get it in similar circumstances to when i would have pins and needles you know if i'm sitting cross-legged or even if i'm lying in bed and i'm just like arching my foot forward and back and then twisting it a little and then, oh no it got it in the wrong spot 
This mm-hmm. is the way the world ends. Mm-hmm. This is the way the world ends. <laughs> Not with a bang, but with a goddamn foot cramp. Yeah. Well, it's it's a similar thing, right? So any any sort of pain in in the body is is going to be to do with some sort of misfiring or I mean, sorry, any sort of random pain, not not pain like, you know, if you've if you've shoved your hand in the fire, it's probably fair that the pain receptors in your hand are being like, "Hey mate, this kind of hurts." But, you know, if you get like a random cramp or something, it's it's going to be due to some sort of misfiring of these sensory neurons. And, you know, from what I've read, which may not be completely accurate um, and I can't confirm too much, but from what I've read, um, like cramps tend to be more an electrolyte issue. So that's why they that's why they suggest using like magnesium um, supplements if you're prone to cramping while exercising. Potassium is another key one. And so if you, you know, if you're dehydrated or you've exercised too much or something, you're far more prone to cramps because you're the balance of the electrolytes in your body. So these minerals that help your body function the way that it should and then the muscles as well. So the muscle won't function properly because of the magnesium. Potassium will also affect the functioning of the nerve cell. And so all of it will just go a bit funny because your inside is out of whack. That's why you should well, look, eat here's the thing. fruit and vegetables I, with yeah, vitamins I, and minerals. They're important. Electrolytes aren't a problem. I eat plenty of salty foods. Don't okay. you worry. I mean, okay. Me Goran is a vegetable, right? Sodium, like kitchen salt, that's, that's not the only important electrolyte. I just want to tell you that now. Mag- you don't you don't get magnesium from I from eating I exclusively drink Powerade. Um no water. Look, no I'm, ju- I'm, just Powerade, just I'm that salty ass cordial. I am not going to say anything about any particular brands of sports drink. There are good brands and there are bad brands. There are like ones that are just mostly sugar and and are a bit of a sugar spice and everything commercial nice. lie. And there are ones that actually do have a good electrolyte profile for like endurance athletes and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't. Yo, maybe, what up, energy drinks? Sponsor us. Mm. <laughs> no future future episode idea. I'll look more into foot cramps or just cramps in general. I don't know enough, and I would I would mm. like to learn. I will teach myself and then I will teach you and we shall tell, we shall teach you fellow listeners um, all about cramps. That, yeah, that for sure can be an episode. Hell yeah. Um, sorry if that was an unsatisfactory answer at the moment. But no, that's fine. I don't know everything. I, I'd rather. I pretend I know everything, but then you fucking go and catch me out like that. <laughs> Here you are calling me out. See, calling I'd rather, you know, you actually go and do the research before answering and I don't want you to bullshit something i mean yeah i'm not about to that's that's very anti-science yeah don't go spreading misinformation that completely negates the point of this podcast even existing i would like to i would like to say several hours of research did go into me understanding pins and needles before this episode anything that i tell you (laughs) is factually correct based based on what we know so far i feel like that's the other like disclaimer that any science podcast or science that any science communication medium needs to have is like disclaimer this is what we currently think because if every area of science, even like really old science and like stuff that we think that we've understood for a long time, something will come out that completely throws that hypothesis in the bin. Um, there, nothing that we know is really known. It's always just our best guess. And like that best guess is, you know, backed up with years and years and years and thousands and billions and quadrillions of yes, dollars but of you research. See, gravity is only a theory. Yeah, I don't know about Gravity. Hey, that one's a bit up in the air. Yeah, um, I mean, it was an average movie at best. I don't know why I won all those Oscars. Like, 
those movie. I don't know. I'm really uncultured. You don't know the movie Gravity? I don't know the movie Gravity. That's like iconic. It was Sandra Bullock, George Clooney in space. It sounds like I should know it because I, I, I know those names. No, I don't know the movie. I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't seen it, but it's <laughs> iconic. It was like one of the highest budgeted films oh. of all time because it's pretty much 100% CG. You've got to remember that I don't go see movies very often unless mm. they are Star Wars or <laughs> musical theatre. Nice. So... I'd say it's about time in the episode that we uh, answer the one question from the general public. Um, Given it is our first episode, we don't actually have anyone in the public who listens to this. Um, But I was able to ask my housemate for a quick question for us. Um, So basically our plan is at the end of every single episode, we're going to answer a question from the public. You can send it in to us. We've got a Gmail account, curiosityrat at gmail.com. That's one word, curiosityrat at gmail.com. What was the question, Kate? So Josh gave us a wonderful question. He wanted to know what would happen to the earth and to life on earth if the moon was bigger? Oh. Yeah. If the moon was bigger than it is now or bigger, bigger than the earth even, like what, what, what would happen? What would that mean? What would that do? Um, which of course I had no idea. I was like, that's a really good question. <laughs> well, of course, you know, physics is your field. Oh yes. I'm an astrophysicist as well as a neuroscientist. Um, <laughs> no. All science is the same, right? Yes. <laughs> no, but luckily Google exists um, and I loved learning. So I went and I found out. So essentially because the moon and the earth, well, as in earth's moon, because obviously lots of planets have moons, but our, our moon particular and our earth are, are a system. They're a cohesive system and they work together and the gravitational pull of each affects each other, right? It's like it's a working symbiotic relationship. It's lovely. It's so wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way it is, that's, you know, things are fine and dandy. But if the moon was bigger, it would obviously have a much bigger gravitational pull, right? Yeah. Um, and that's going to that's gonna fuck with some stuff. So the first thing it's going to fuck with is, is the angle of the tilt of the Earth. So if you weren't aware, our Earth is not straight. It is queer. I mean, tw- tilted, <laughs> tilted, tilted, tilted on the vertical axis. The vertical axis is at a little bit of a tilt. Um, and the tilt of the Earth is actually held in place partially due to the moon and its gravitational pull, which is really Uh. cool. So planets like Mars, Mars has two small moons and its tilt actually wobbles around a lot. Like it's a, it's a really inconsistent, it's not held in place because it's got the two different moons and as they all orbit around each other, etc., the tilt of the planet shifts. Whereas Uh earth doesn't do that. Whereas if, if, if the moon was bigger, it would affect the tilt. Our earth would probably be more tilted. It wouldn't wobble because we still just have the one moon, but it would, it would, it would certainly be different to what it is now. Um, the other thing that would happen is if the moon was bigger, um, especially if it was if it was bigger than the Earth, obviously it would not be the moon orbiting the Earth. It would be the Earth orbiting the moon. So right. our days would be different, and our the way we experience seasons would be different. Um, we'd have a heck ton more tidal waves, which is terrifying to think about because once again, also the gravitational pull of the moon affects the tides and the waves, and essentially. Tide like waves are pulled away from the shore by the gravitational pull of the moon. And so if we had a really big moon, we'd have much more severe mm. tidal waves. I'm imagining like that scene from Interstellar when they're on that plant that water planet that's orbiting the black hole. Yeah. And the waves are just, you know, absolutely massive. Pretty much that, yeah. If we had if we were a little planet orbiting our giant moon. That'd, that'd be that. True, because we would be orbiting the moon, not the other way around. If, yeah. if the moon ended up bigger, yeah, mm-hmm. because 
then it would no longer we be would the become moon. the satellite and it would become the constant we would be the moon we would be the moon yeah you know screw landing on the moon we are the moon we yeah are the moon yeah there's a tinfoil hat theory for you. <laughs> yeah um, and then the one, the one final thing, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a million things and, you know, the ecosystem as we know it would, would be vastly, vastly different. But the other major thing is if, if we were orbiting the moon and it was mm-hmm. bigger, there would be large periods of time where if you think about it, because our system of earth and the moon would still be orbiting our sun, right? Yeah. But there would be points in time where the moon sits directly between the earth and the sun, which we currently experience as a solar eclipse. Yeah. Yeah. But if the moon were bigger than the earth, the earth would just be in like complete shadow. It would Ah. be completely shadowed from the moon. And that could happen for up to like two weeks at a time sort of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, there are places on earth, like at the extreme north and south sort of poles of our planet where during winter it is dark for the whole day and during Mm. summer it's light for the whole day. But essentially if the moon was bigger, it means life on like the equator would be like that. It would just be dark all the time during some periods of the year. Year? What is a year? That's not a word. Yeah. Yeah, past tense. Yeah. So, so in the future it'll be fine, but you know, yeah. in the past, total yeah. darkness. The so dark essentially, yeah, those that is that is a short compiled list mm. of things that that would be different about our Earth if if the moon were bigger. So well, thank you, Josh, for for asking that because that was actually really interesting yeah. to learn about. I thought, and thank you, Kate, for doing your best to to answer that, given oh, no. you're not a I love physics it. person, but I, I dig that. It's science, man. Ask me a science question and I will go down the rabbit hole until 4 a.m. And I'm like, what am I still watching educational YouTube videos about astrophysics when this has got nothing to do with my life whatsoever? Maybe I should start a science podcast. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) And with that, thank you guys so much for actually listening to us natter about science. Um, I had a great time. I love talking about science. I had a great time as well. I certainly learned something and isn't that what science is all about? Science is always about learning and, you know, not just about learning, but about sharing and about talking about, because if you can't talk about your science, like what is the point in doing it? You know, here we are doing exactly that. And we will catch you next time on Curiosity Killed the Rat. Thanks guys. Curiosity. Killed the rat. Curiosity. Killed the rat.